0: Is, has not just been a problem for you and for me, it's always been a problem. If you study church history at all, and I hope that you spend some time doing that, what you will find as you read is that the church has always struggled through this issue. You will find that there were times in church history where people really thought that some form of asceticism was sort of the highest level of spirituality. That if we were to sort of move further and further away from contact with the world, further and further into a cave, then we could be assured that we become spiritual. You you know that in church history and today, there are many who believe that there is some sort of second blessing that really is the mark of true spirituality. I played golf early this morning with a man who's a graduate of a a college in the South, uh, and his dad still teaches at that college. And that college teaches that the truly spiritual people have some sort of second spiritual blessing that comes after salvation and that you enter into this sort of highly energized spiritual state as the Holy Spirit sort of descends upon you. And, and they believe that that's what true spirituality is all about. You know and I know that there are examples of extreme sacrifice in, the, in church history. There are people who believe that there's a particular vocation that you and I must uh, pursue or hold if we're to be truly spiritual. And you know that there, the church has always wrestled with the issue of knowledge. If you and I are to be truly spiritual, then there's a certain level of information and and knowledge that we must attain to. I mean, the churches always struggle through that. Interestingly enough, when you go to the New Testament, at least in my studies, sometimes it's not as easy to figure this issue out out as it may first uh, appear or maybe as we would hope to think it would be easy. I mean, you go and you think, well, I know what it means to be spiritual. To be spiritual is just simply to, to have a real zeal for God, right? To be a zealous person for God. Well, then you go to Romans chapter ten and you find that Paul talks about a group of people that were zealous for God, and yet were not even believers. You know, oh man, maybe zeal is not not enough. Then you read in the New Testament that maybe maybe the mark of true spirituality is to be a person that really receives the Word of God with joy. I mean, a person who hungers and really anticipates coming to their classes or to chapel or to church and really is a, is excited about receiving the Word of God with joy. And then, And then if you know anything about your New Testament, you know that you can turn to Matthew chapter 13 and read the parable of the soils. And what do you find in that passage? You find in verse 20 of chapter 13 that... Christ describes a person who actually receives the word with great joy, and what does the passage go on to say about that individual? I mean, it's most likely they're not even saved. And then you think, well, I know what it is. To be spiritual is to is to, put off sinful things and to increase in good things. I mean, that's what it means. But then you go to Luke chapter 18 of the publican and And the uh, Pharisee, and, and and what do you hear in that passage in Luke chapter 18? You hear a person saying, you know, I am better than most people. I am not involved in this kind of sin. I'm not involved in this kind of sin, and I'm very faithful in worship. I'm very faithful in honoring the Lord. And you think, well, it's maybe not as easy as I thought it was. I thought that just being spiritual was being zealous for God. I thought being spiritual was just having the, uh, a heart that received the word with joy. I thought being spiritual was just not doing bad things, doing them within decreasing measure, and doing good things with increasing measure. But then you go to the Bible, and there's all kinds of people that were described like that that weren't necessarily even believers. I read a book this last week. by It's a Puritan book, and in this book, there is a chapter that is titled The Difference Between a Hypocrite and a True Christian. <laughs> And, and I was kind of doing something else, which I do a lot when I read. I, I listen to something or watch something, and, and I was reading this chapter, and I got lost on what I was reading. Whether I was reading about the hypocrite or the true Christian, and I thought I was reading about the true Christian, and I was reading about the hypocrite. And by the time I got finished with the first section, I was I was feeling really good about myself, and, and then <laughs> and, and, and realized that I just I just condemned myself, you know. I'm, I'm, I oh, no, I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> I'm still doing really great. Oh, well. You go to the Bible and there are a lot of terms that we know. If you were to kind of do a, a sword drill, you say, well, give me the terms that are used in the New Testament that are descriptive of spirituality. Now, you can think of a lot of them. I can think of a lot of them. Can, can you think of some? What are some of the terms that are used that are descriptive of a spiritually mature person? For instance, the word pleasing is used. I mean, if you're a spiritually mature person, you are someone who is pleasing to God. Paul also says if you're a spiritual person, if you're someone God that is reflective of God's character, you're someone who has a walk that is worthy of the calling with which we were called. There's the description of being like Christ. There's the description of being full of the Spirit. There's the description of being holy. The description of being renewed. The description of being transformed. I mean, there's all kinds of terms in the New Testament that actually describe what it means to be spiritual. Now, this is such a a fundamental subject for us, isn't it? I mean, if we were in the business to make hot dogs, and that was our business, and someone came to us to talk to us about our business, and we kind of, equivocated and vacillated on the subject of buns, hot dog buns, that would be okay. I mean, because we're not in the business for hot dog buns. We're in the business on hot dogs. If someone came to talk to us about mustard, and you say, well, I talked to this employee, and this employee said this about mustard. I went to this employee, and they said this about mustard. I don't think you guys know what mustard's all about. And you say, oh, that's okay. We're not in the business for mustard. But if someone comes to your factory and walks throughout the factory and talks to different people, and as they have contact with the different people and they're talking about the subject of hot dogs, and then the person comes back to you as the CEO of the the factory and says, you know what I have found out is that you guys can't agree on what a hot dog is, and we have definitions that are actually contradictory, and in fact I don't even know if you know what it is. Now that would be pretty serious. I mean, we exist as a college for the purpose of the pursuit of spiritual maturity. I mean, there is no subject that is more fundamental to who we are and what we're doing, right? It is the most fundamental thing. Before I introduce the people that are going to come up behind me, the students and the deans, let me say three things that I am today very sure about when it comes to spirituality. Three things. Here they are. Number one, I know that the best description of what it means to be a spiritually mature person is found on the lips of Jesus Christ himself when he said that you could take all of the Bible, everything that God has preserved for us, and boil it down to two things. Love God, love man. What I do know about what it means to be a spiritually mature person is that when our Lord was asked that question by a group of seekers, not unlike yourselves, a group of people that were some were mixed with true disciples and maybe some were kind of not sure if they were disciples and some that were sure that they didn't want to be disciples and in the midst midst of that audience someone said, "Hey, Jesus, by the way, what is the greatest command in the Bible?" When he was asked that question, what I do know is that Christ said, "Love God and love man." That is what it means to be the person that God created you to be. I'm sure of that. And you can be sure of that. We can start with that point. There's a second thing that I am sure of when it comes to spiritual maturity. And that is that there is a certain process that God takes everyone through to bring them into likeness of his son. I am very sure of that. Whenever you read the scriptures or even or even take a friend at lunchtime and just say to them, how what has God taught you in the last month? that while there will be variations of, of the stories and variations of, of people that are involved and dynamics that are involved, the process really is always the same. And it has two features to it. God always brings us to the point of Christ-likeness and spiritual maturity in the context of everyday life as we live out our faith. That's feature number one. In Second Corinthians chapter 1, when Paul talked about I have learned what it means to be comforted by God. I know what it means to sit at the feet of God, surrounded by turmoil, to have everything in my life be up in the air, threats from every side. I know what it means to really be the person God wants me to be, to face that stuff, and yet no comfort. When Paul said that in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he is not talking about a book he read. He's not talking about a message he heard. He's not talking about a verse he read. He's not talking about an outline. He's not talking about anything like that. What he's talking about is, as I tried to live out my faith in the context of everyday life, God taught me something about his character. That's how it happens. In Philippians chapter 4, when Paul talks about learning contentment, He said, it is something I have had to learn. God has taken me through all these circumstances, and I know what it means to be content. I mean, that is what he says to us in Philippians chapter 4. I know contentment. But then he says, but you know how I got there? It's not because I read a book by Elizabeth Elliot. It's not because I listened again to a tape or a chapel message. I know something of the character of God when it comes to being a content person because I have learned that through the context of living out my faith. If you are going to be and if I'm going to be a person that continues to grow and become more like Christ, it's going to happen outside of this room primarily. Outside of of any church wall. Outside of any textbook it's going to happen when we take what we know the bible says and we start making practical everyday real choices to live that out and that's what paul says the second thing that i'm that's the second feature of that that i'm very sure of as far as the, the process the second feature of the process is this it always always happens in the context of relationships. Now that's a, that's a, when I say the word relationship. Already, some of you are counting. Kind of, mm, know, I know what that word means. You know, it's kind of it's it's kind of a gal word. It's not it's a, it's a chick word. You know, it's not a guy word. I mean, girls girls are relational. Guys aren't relational. Girls hug. You know, they see each other. Woo and they jump and they. You know, guys don't do that. They they may be coy enough to go, hey, you know kind of like just when i came from my golf game just now i just played golf with four guys three guys well actually four one walked around and kind of i don't know what he was doing but his um i don't know who he was but there was this five of us walked around and as as i was leaving and you know from the front nine they were going on the back nine and and i just walked up to them hey guys thanks a lot for inviting me and i went to you know and it's sort of like two of them stuck out their hand and one of them kind of looked hey yeah good thanks for joining you know I don't know, these guys are all spiritual men and godly men, but they're just you know, there's just something the guys struggle with the term relationship. I mean could you imagine if I'd walked up to <laughs> I walked up to them and I, I should have done this just for illustration purposes this morning. I should have walked up, looked them right in the eye and said, I love you. you
1: know?
0: Well, but anyway, I didn't do it. I weenied out. <laughs> I'm gonna do it next time. <laughs> just, just for fun. I remember I remember the first time a guy said that to me. My roommate in in college. And I and I was I didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> I, I didn't know whether to continue to shake his hand or not. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. Guys are uncomfortable with that term sometimes. I know I am. But it is very true. Listen, don't Don't lose me on this point. In Philippians, or again, in Ephesians rather, chapter 4, as Paul is describing the process through which Christ is going to bring maturity to his church corporately and individually, in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 15, and he gave to the church these people, apostles and prophets and pastor teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints. Why? so that they may fulfill their role in the body of Christ, so that as they do that, individuals that they have contact with go through the process that we call spiritual growth, bringing them to maturity. God never designed for you to take any version of the Bible after salvation and walk into a cave Never to come out until either death or the rapture. He never designed it that way. God designed spiritual maturity to take place in the context of relationship. It's always been that way. In Romans chapter 15, Paul says, edification, which is another term used to describe maturity. Edification is something that you and I must be committed to with each other. Now those things, those two things I'm sure of. I'm sure of one, that when Christ talks about being spiritually mature, He says it means to love God and love man. Two, it always happens in a certain way. In the context of living out my faith, and secondly, in the context of relationship. That's how it happens. Now, there's a third thing I'm sure of. The third thing that I'm sure of is that I work at the Master's College because the Master's College has been and continues to be a place that is led by people and populated by students who I think are honestly interested in not just knowing what spiritual maturity is, but pursuing that. That's what we're all about. That's why that's why I come to work. It's because that's what this college is about. And that's what you're about. That's what makes it exciting for me is to see students who make the choice in a real-life context to say, I'm going to do what Christ wants me to do and what I know would be honoring to the Lord in this circumstance, though it even represents risk and cost to me. I mean, that's exciting. I mean, there's not a whole lot in life that's more exciting than that. To see someone like you in everyday living really make those choices. And what's even more exciting is to see someone who didn't do that as a freshman who's now doing that as a sophomore and a junior and a senior. I mean, that's, that's incredible. I couldn't imagine doing anything else than to be a part of that process. But you know the other thing that's interesting about the Master's College is that these are various versions of our handbook. <laughs> and what this represents is a real practical attempt on our part to be consistent with what the Bible says about spiritual maturity. I mean, that's what the handbook's all about. I mean, that's what the distinctives are all about. But you know what else it says, because there are multiple versions? That they're not just new covers here. There's actually different things in the content. And you know what that says? (laughs) Sometimes we don't do it right. Sometimes what we try to do isn't really what should be done. And if you really wanted to criticize us, it'd be easy to do. There are things that we now have that are policies that we didn't used to have. There are things that we used to have that uh, you know that are different than what we do this week, and this next year may be a little different as well. You know what that says? It says that we're we're growing ourselves. We're trying to figure that out. But there are some constants. And that's what I'm going to have the people come up and talk to you about. And the constants are this. We're trying to wrestle through at the college what it means to love God and to love man. And we're trying to help you with that by providing you with opportunities to live out your faith in everyday practical circumstances. And by providing and encouraging and stimulating you to be involved in the people's lives around you. I mean, that's, those are the constants. We don't always do it the same way. And we don't always do it right. And we mess it up. I mess it up. My staff messes it up. Faculty mess it up. You mess it up. But those things have never changed. And I thought this morning, as we, rather than me just giving a sermon on spiritual maturity and what that is, I really felt like that the, the best, sermon that you could hear would be to bring some students up and let them just kind of talk to you about how God has acted in their life to bring them through the process of spiritual growth. So we're going to do that right now as we finish up chapel the rest of this morning. We've got just about 35 minutes and I'm going to bring up first of all the two people that uh, uh, under me are committed to this process more than anyone else as the leaders on my staff and that are associate dean's of students Mark Tatlock and Betty Price. Let's welcome them to the platform.
1: Thank you. Well, what Dave's been defining for you this morning is the Master's Distinctives uh, point entitled community. You've seen his slides, you've seen it uh, explained to you on different occasions. And when he asked Betty and I to participate in this chapel, uh, we agreed with him that one of the best ways to do that but to actually put some faces to the concepts. And though this may look a little bit like a popular genre of uh, television approach today, the TV talk show, I'm definitely not Geraldo, and Betty is definitely not Sally, Jesse, Raphael. So uh, if you would bear with us as we uh, enjoy this setup uh, today, we'd like to invite those students that uh, we've talked to to come on up to the stage. And uh, you can come on up. They're sitting in that special reserve seating section, so... uh, We've invited them to come on up and to just talk to us for a few minutes about our community and with regard to some of the things that Dave shared with you. Betty has a few comments to make, so Betty, why don't you go ahead and... One
2: thing we wanted to share with you, um, as we talked with the RDs this last week about some students that we wanted to have come up and share with you, uh, we talked about a lot of students in terms of how God's worked in their lives while they've been here on campus, and really many of you could be up here sharing as well. We also wanted to tell you that they don't represent um, students or people, and they want you to know this too, that that we feel like have totally arrived at some peak of spirituality, but that they are very much like all the rest of us, people in process. And they want to share with you, and we've asked them too, to share a little bit about that process, where they've come from and where they're going and how that process has been for them.
1: Let me take a moment just to introduce our guests today. Uh, we have over here sitting next to Betty, uh, Denise Hunter. Denise, welcome. Uh, next to her is Connie Van Wingerden. Yes. Uh, you've seen them before, they're back with us. Uh, Brian Abbey and Joe Keller. Yeah. Thanks, you guys, for being with us. Now, we don't just ask anybody to come up here and confess their sins and to uh, talk to the student body, so, <laughs> these people are taking a risk. Uh, but we really appreciate their participation today. And we're going to begin by just posing a question, and I'm going to direct this uh, to Brian Abbey to begin with. Uh, we want to find out from you, Brian, what a recent area of spiritual growth is that you've been challenged in, and uh, maybe how, how that's taken place within the community uh, here on campus.
3: I guess uh, for me, it's something that's been a process over the last three and a half years um, since I've come to know the Lord. Um, and it's mainly just that I'm really realizing that a lot of my life is trying to be somebody that the school or Christian authorities or whatever wants me to be. And it's just a process of me um, really finding out um, what the Bible wants to wants me to be, I guess. And uh, it's easy to come here to school and to be under people and to live with all the people on your wing and, and uh, to just try to fit the role, I guess, and try to fit, um, to be that student, to be, you know, if you're a wild WOW staff student, um, to be, uh, that person that, you know, you fit that, fit that description. And, and, uh, you know, if you're getting discipled by somebody, you try to be like that person and try to say the question, say the answers the right way. Um, and that's what I, I guess I have really realized this year, um, that I've been doing. And then I haven't been taking advantage of, of just being myself and letting people, um, call me to things, um, that i'm that i'm doing wrong um and so in ways it's kind of i'm realizing that i'm being a hypocrite in a lot of things that i'm doing um and that i'm not allowing uh people to really come into my life and to really um, assist me in being what the bible wants me to be
1: Uh, who's called you on some things
3: who's called me on some things well (laughs) probably a lot of people out here um my pastor um I guess, in my RD, my fellow RAs, and just, uh, I don't know, at times I felt alone this year too, just being an RA, feeling that, uh, that you're almost put up on a pedestal, and really realize we're not, we're not supposed to be that way. We're supposed to be, we're living in a community right here of, of Christians. I mean, we're not, as an RA, I'm not any better than, than a freshman on my wing. Um, Mark, you're not any better than me, and and. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. <laughs> Next, uh,
1: um,
3: and and that's hard to do. That's hard to do because, I mean, if I see Mark in sin, I need I need to be the Christian brother that comes and and calls you on that, um, and and I need guys on my wing to be doing that to me. I need my staff at my church to be doing that to me, and and I think that I do I don't do that to people that are over me either. I mean, I look at them and whoa, they're. Or so and so, I can't, I can't call them on that. But so it's been, it's been a lot of people, I guess, to answer your question. It's been a lot of people that are doing that, um, but it needs to be even more, I guess, and and I need to be doing it more too.
1: Good, thank you,
2: Brian. I want to ask um, Denise to respond to that question a little bit. One of the things that's been exciting for me to hear from her is that we really don't want to be. Um... Thanks. Um, arrogant and prideful in the sense of thinking that we're the only school in the whole Christian community that's really trying to promote true spirituality and a community where we're involved with one another in this way. And it's been so exciting for me to hear from Denise that a lot of the changes in terms of her spiritual growth took place at Word of Life, where she transferred in from. So share with us a little bit. Denise?
4: Well, like Brian was saying, um I realized that when I first got saved, it was going to be a process, but I didn't realize um, where it was going to start, and started the first day that I walked into the Bible College. They have a lot more rules than the Master's College does, and I just really rebelled against every single rule the first day, and I had an RA who was very um, German, and she's very consistent and very disciplined. <laughs> well, the German people are characterized by those kind of things. and. And so when the first day came around and I decided that I was going to kind of make my own rules and, and I kind of let her know that, that even though everyone else was going to be under these rules, that I was kind of the captain of my own soul and I was going to do my own thing. And I really appreciated her input, but it really wasn't necessary. And uh, she really dealt with me on that. She um, brought, to, brought to my eyes that it was a sin of rebellion and that in my rebellion against any authority that that was over me I was directly rebelling against God and she showed me from scripture and she showed me by the consistency of her own life and how she was so submissive to authority and and yet so godly and so in control and and just by her character that once you do submit to authority and that actually that it was my choice to go to this school and to place myself under these rules that I made the choice to do that and so It was really ridiculous for me to be rebelling against those rules that I chose to put myself under. And that's really where the process began was in starting to submit to the authority that God had placed in my life. That's
1: good. Thank
2: you, Denise. Let me just mention, Denise is going to be an RA for us next year, and she, when we got all the new RAs together, she made the announcement that she knew that that none of them were going to have any problems with students on their wings with bad attitudes because she knew that she was going to have all of them because it was payback time for her <laughs> for the bad attitude she used to have.
1: So we're taking sign-ups for Denise's wing.
2: Uh,
1: <laughs> that later on. That's good. Thank you very much for sharing that with us. Okay, Joe Kelly. Joe, you've grown up in the church, and uh, that tends to create a... Um, Distinct person. Sometimes we tend to be, become a little calloused and apathetic with the things that we're called to on a regular basis. Uh, maybe you could share with us a little bit of where you come from and where you've been challenged.
5: Well, um, well, like I said, I was a church brat. I was a guy in the back row that always uh, that always said Jesus and and all that other stuff. And me and all my friends and and we would we would be on leadership teams and we would be whatever and we would be a part of the church. But yet, deep down inside, we were living hypocritical lives in the sense that, you know, we would go out and we'd mess around doing whatever, and uh, I lived my life up until just probably about two, it's about two years now, that uh, that I have been walking around with this big backpack full of masks, and I know that that there are some people out there that, that, that know where I'm coming from in the sense that you go to your parents and you put on this parental mask And then you go before your friends that are non-Christians. And you put on this this non-Christian, you know, mask. And then when you go to church, you put on the other mask and say, yes, hello, thank you. And, you know, you always share the communion plate when it goes by. And, you know, and you do the right things. But yet, come Monday, come Tuesday, come Wednesday, it's, you know, it's it's a change. It's an always changing thing. And then coming here to the college, God is so gracious to allow me to come to this place then. And just through this time, I begin to learn what, what integrity means. And integrity is not saying that you're perfect or not saying that, that you have nothing wrong with you because, you know, Lord knows I got a lot of things wrong. But it's a matter of, of realizing what they are. Realizing my inconsistencies and the things that are, that are wrong in my life that, that are not Christ-like. But being honest with them you know, and a lot of things and, and you go, well, well, how do you find out that stuff? And for me, for me, I mean, the word of God plays a big part, but another part is, you know, guys on my wing, you know, some guy pulling you across and sitting next to his computer and going, joy, I think you're being, I think you're being arrogant and selfish, you know? For me to walk into SPAC's office and for us to be sharing and for him to go, Joe, listen, man, the way that you're handling that is wrong. And you want to know what? It's not in a sense of arrogance that they do it at all. It's not in a sense of whatever. But like like Dave was saying, it's just in a sense, it's such a deep love. How in the world could you show somebody that you love somebody so much like Christ loves you? than to sit down and kick them in the butt every once in a while, you know? You know, it, seriously. If you sit down and you go, listen, and if you're being honest and if you have integrity, and if, if I have integrity, and being honest, you're going to notice things, and if you truly love that person, the way that those guys on my wing love me, as my RA loves me, you know, we sat down and r- rummaged through some things, then you're going to share with them. Just like the missions thing, you know, you can see grace abound in the lives of other people. And I'm just, I'm just gracious to God that, that He's allowed me to, to see that in my life and to see that in the lives of, you know, of Brian and, and guys on my wing. So, am I getting the eye signal? Is that, we talked in chapel, <laughs> we talked, we talked before about if I went too long to give me the eye thing. So, so yeah, I guess that's it. Good, yeah. Joe. Thank
1: you very much. I appreciate that.
2: Connie, I've appreciated hearing some of the ways that you've grown and you've played on some of our sports teams here at the college and a little bit about how that's impacted you to share with us a little bit about where you've come from and how God's worked in your life to change you.
6: Well, I guess uh, to start it off last year, I guess you could put me on Denise's wing next year. I was a rebellious one last year. so um, Sorry, Jody. But I had a really hard time when I came in last year just that I wanted things my way, as Denise was saying. I didn't want anybody else to tell me what to do. And just to give you a little story, uh, I butted heads big time with Tracy Cheney last year. The moment we saw each other, it was like hatred almost. And I just, the first month or two, I remember Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I would go get ready. And every time I came out of the door, she'd go change. I'd be like, why? She'd be like, you're wearing shorts. I'd be like, uh-uh she like, change, and I'd be like, no, she'll change now, and I'm like, okay. So one time, I was sitting in there, and I was wearing these skirts, of course, and I come out of my room, and I thought I looked nice. I still think I look nice, but <laughs> but Tracy was like, um, you need to change now, and I was like, Tracy, I'm late for class, she goes, change, and I got mad, and I was like, she has no right to tell me to do this, and I have a very big problem with pride. And so I took the ironing board, took the iron, went into my room, started ironing, like, I don't know, creases, pleats, into the skorts to make them look like a skirt. And Tracy and y'all had gone back in her room, and she's like, Connie has not come out yet. So Tracy comes in, and she goes, what in the world are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm fixing my skorts. She goes, you're not wearing those. And so I had to change, but... The thing for me that I've had the hardest time with is my pride. And it's shown in everything that I did last year, playing ball, um, especially during soccer, I was playing for myself and not playing for the Lord and glorifying Him. Um, There are certain people on my soccer and basketball team that just exemplified how glorifying God was on the court. I remember going to a lot of my practices and just watching Deb Procci play. Was she always hustled? It didn't matter, you know, if we were down by 50, 75, or if we were up by 50 or 75. She was always, you know, doing everything, and she had a smile on her face, and she was excited to play because she knew what she was doing um, was glorifying God. And I was just sitting there going, "What am I doing? I'm, you know, totally playing for myself here." And so the hardest thing for me has been. Watching my pride and wanting to be like Christ and not to glorify myself and make myself look good, but glorify him in all that I do. And it's hard at times, and I'll admit it. I mean, I struggle with it now. In fact, I got called on it a couple weeks ago by an RA saying, Connie, you're having a really hard time um, talking to your roommate right now. So I really think you need to let down on your pride and go and talk to her first. And I really appreciated watching other people and their influence in my life, watching my brother grow. Seeing how he acts with the guys on his wing has just been such an example. And I don't think we as peers realize how much influence we have on each other's lives. And I don't know if we're allowed to do little challenges or not, because I'm a girl or, but Just watch what you do and just make sure that everything you do, you glorify God. And I'm putting myself here saying, you guys are going to be able to call me on it. There's 700 of you and one of me, so go for it. I mean, I know that I'm going to struggle. I know all of us up here are, but we need to be examples to each other and to other people.
1: Thank you. Tanya, you've shared with us uh, the effect of just uh, a good model has on your life, the convicting power that that has. Denise, you've shared with us the um, element of combative confrontation and the effect that that can have on our life. I'm going to open this up to all of you guys to respond, but uh, what's it like to be approached by somebody uh, when maybe you're not exactly in the right frame of mind?
5: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and let me add to this. Okay, go Joe, you're going to answer. Uh, <laughs> How, what makes it helpful as far as that person's posture towards you when they come to you?
5: Well, I've been confronted a lot, you know, in my lifetime. <laughs> I mean, and, I mean, that's a, it's a passion for me now because of what an effect that it's had on my life. And I think that a lot of times, I mean, you can't, you, you're sitting there and this, and a person's pointing out something that, that you know is, is perfectly valid. Let's say for me, it was selfishness. You know, I'm being selfish about, you know, whatever may be on my wing or whatever. Some guy comes up and goes, you know, hey, Joe, I mean, this actually happened. You know, Steve Watkins, he came up to me and he goes, you know, hey, Joe, you're being selfish and this, this and this and this and this. And I go, and I'm sitting there and I go, well, hold on a second. You can tell me that. You know, you know, I'm trying to, I mean, I'm being honest with you. I mean, it's, Sometimes it's really hard to take and it's hard to, it's hard to fight inside how you really are. But then I, but then you realize what it is and you realize that it's, that it's pridefulness and it's, and it's even selfishness at its core, you know? And then you think about it and you stand there and you, and you start to evaluate what God's trying to tell you through your brother who loves you so much or your sister. Then you start to evaluate it and then you start to, to look at your own life. I think the hardest thing that I struggle with when things happen is trying to have the right mindset. It's trying to not be not be um, standoffish, but rather to be open and to listen. A lot of times, you know, it's it's hard not to take certain things and to just go, well, okay, okay, I take you know, and but to listen to it all and to sit and to be calm and understand that that God that God Himself has laid this on this person's heart to talk to you and you need to sit and listen to it. I need to. You know? And I think um, one of the things that you were saying about, you know, like, how a person can come to you and the way that the guys that, that have come up to me and talked to me, the example that they have amplified to me is, is love and caring and realizing that That they're no better than we, that I am, and I'm no better than they are. But we're two guys that are trying to live our lives for Christ. And that, and that Brian, Brian, when he's an RA and he and he's talking to some guy, that that he does it in love, and that he just wants to see that guy grow. You know what Dave was talking about, about watching somebody grow from freshman to sophomore to junior to senior. Watching Connie now stand up here and and talk about about this stuff in her life and how she's changed and how we've all watched her change. It's showing that love for somebody. I think that that's that's the best way. And it's and that's what I've seen in the guys that have come up to me and and that's what's helped me. So whatever. Anybody else?
6: I think um, a major thing when I was confronted I don't know how many times but a lot is you can you can respond to it in two ways you can say shut up and leave me alone or you can be really vulnerable and that for me has been the hardest thing is saying okay you know if you're gonna confront me on this then you're gonna go the whole distance with me on this you're gonna pray with me you're gonna pray for me and I'm gonna pray for you and it's it's almost big-time vulnerability And that is so hard, is to open up your life to another person and say, go ahead, tell me what I'm doing wrong. And it's really hard to communicate that to other people and say, hey, this is something I'm really struggling with. And you pointed it out, but you need to pray about it. And when you do go, and I hate using the word confront, but yeah, restore it's just do it out of love, and the restoration period is just long. It's just not something you can do in five minutes and say, Hey, you're wrong. Change it now. It's going to take time. It's going to take prayer. And you're going to fail. I mean, you know, with my pride issue, I'd, I've been working on it for a long time, and it still is something that I stumble with every day. Um, every hour all the time and just saying Lord help me with this every day and so, so to, sorry Brian but we were going to be the tag team combination of Vietnamese, So,
4: well I just wanted to say something on the other side of when people don't confront you or restore you and they kind of um, just wipe it off off like a, oh you just had a bad day or there's just you know, it's these circumstances, and we all have those circumstances, and we always are. Life's hard, and God knows that, and that's why He gives us the grace to go through daily. But He also brings people in our lives, and He wants them to be responsible and be mature enough to say, You know, you may have a bad day, but God doesn't want you to respond in this way. And I'm very fortunate to have someone very close to me that is very willing and bold enough to do that, and is more concerned about my spiritual life. Then, how I may respond right away and I don't always respond in the right way sometimes I kind of get really quiet and go through a little self-denial like, no, I don't really, I just, I don't think that or I kind of rationalize things um, but I'm really appreciative for those people that were willing to not say oh, you know, these circumstances allow for this kind of sin but to say, you know, I don't care I mean, I do care, but these are not an excuse that you can hold before the lord for sin
1: let me interrupt just brian um, before you respond it's my expectation that all of us uh, because of our training and this the privilege i think of being at the college that we'll be involved in leadership uh, in our churches in um, our families as we go out you're somebody who's involved in student leadership and as connie has mentioned about being vulnerable maybe if you could tailor your answer to share with us uh, the challenge it is to be in leadership and also still be open and vulnerable to uh, people confronting you.
3: I don't like confrontation at all. Um, and it's something that, that uh, I don't know, it's, it's something that we, we're all talking about. You need to confront in love. Um, a lot of times I don't know how to confront in love because I'm angry at somebody, you know, for doing something against me um but i know that under the ra position or whatever that i need to go and confront somebody you know on on going out the end door or, you know and something like that how do you confront somebody on going out the end door you know with, with love um <laughs> i love you brother but don't go out the end door you know <laughs> i mean i guess that i guess that uh I and mean, at the same time i hate being confronted all the more you know and i remember uh Big one for me is, I guess, in an area of pride is just in, in sports. I used to be just terrible um, with with anything. I was so competitive, you know, because that's what I was raised to be. And my, my dad used to always say, you know, have pride on the court, have pride on the court, you know. And and uh, I got confronted with that um, and up at Wow Retreat. Um, with Steve Waldeck, and I don't know if he even remembers this, but he confronted me on my attitude playing Ultimate Frisbee. And, and uh, I hated that, man, and I got mad at him. I didn't like him at all at that point. And and you know and I was sitting there and, and he was trying to do it in love you know and and I wanted to say well what about your attitude out there too you know and and you stepped on my frisbee <laughs> <laughs> and and you know but it's something that we need to be doing and I guess I guess the, for me to say you know how do you get vulnerable and as a, as a leader and and you know how are you supposed to be vulnerable to people and I think that the biggest thing and I guess. You know, if I ever, ever had the opportunity to preach in chapel or whatever, I would I would want to talk about accountability, and I'd want to talk about having a core group of people around you that are willing to do it, to, to willing to be, you know, loving you so much that they want to see you grow in Christ, and and I don't know, it, it's hard for me as an RA to to look at the guys down on my wing, the guys that I don't even really am close to, not by choice that I don't want to get into this person's life but because our schedules don't match up because we don't have so much in common it's hard for me to look at him and go I need to confront him because I know he's doing this um, I wish that I just knew that he had you know five or six guys around him and and that's what I would just suggest to all of us is that we have you know four or five people around us that you that you know you could say anything to in complete confidentiality that you know it's not going to get out of your group there or whatever not to be a clique but to be willing to to have those people around you that you can get together once a week or whatever and ask the hard questions and respond to the hard questions um, no matter what, you know. It's better to confront somebody and, and, you know, ask somebody about something that, and say, you know, are you doing this? And have them say no, you know, taking that chance than to, than to not say anything and then find out that they fell, you know. And and I need guys in my life to be doing that um, and, and you guys all need people in your lives to be doing that. And if we are willing to do that, um, I think you're going to see a campus. You're going to see a Christian community that's a lot more responsive to each other, and you're not going to have the rumors that we have here at Masters, and you're not going to have the, the the things that are going on right now that we all look at, you know, and and cringe at, and and we're going to have people that are going to be loving more, and I guess able to open up to each other more. If you if you practice with a few people, you're going to be able to then go out and do that with more, I guess, and taking those things and taking to the churches around the whatever you're going to end up being, you know.
1: Good. Thank you, Brian. Well, we appreciate you guys uh, opening up and sharing with us just a little bit. Uh, we know that it's not always the easiest thing to get up and say I'm a very proud person, um, but we thank you for uh, sharing with us the things that have been going on in your life. You, you Feel free to stay and stay with us. Betty and I have a few closing just comments to make, and Betty, if you'd like to...
2: I think one of the things that Mark and I wanted to share with you all is that um, we really wanted you to hear some of these things from your peers, from students. But at the same time, um, there may be a number of you who are listening to them and watching them and thinking that's all really great, Um, but the issues I'm dealing with in my life don't even touch the kinds of things that they've talked about. And is there really a place for that kind of involvement and that kind of spiritual growth? with some other kinds of issues maybe that I'm dealing with in my life. And I wanted to just mention to you a couple of students that um, have been here in the past. I don't think any of you would even know them. Um, But I remember one gal who came here as a freshman who her background was really that um, her family not only had not given her any kind of good upbringing, they really had treated her, I think, in a very evil way. And there were more than one person in her immediate family who had sexually abused her, who had involved her with pornography as a very small child. Um, She was really an emotional wreck when she got here as a freshman. She was afraid of everything. She cried about everything. Um, I think in meeting her in the first few weeks of school, people weren't sure if she was really gonna make it here and that she was gonna be able to stay because she was struggling with so many, many things. I can remember just even um, one time we had a group of students over at my house and we were fixing dinner and I don't remember what the event was, um, but she and I were in a kitchen together um, and it was kind of our job to make a salad and there were other people roaming around doing other things. And um, this is kind of just really a silly little illustration of even trivial basic stuff that her family had never even taught her remember as we were cutting up things for the salad I handed her a bunch of green onions at one point and um and I said why don't you do these next and there was a lot quiet for a while and then she whispered over my shoulder I've never cut these before how am I supposed to do this and from that kind of a real trivial kind of thing to I remember the time that she came in and, and with much tears confessed that as a result of some of the things that other people had done to her as a child that she was really struggling with masturbation and was grieved over that and really wanted to make a change in her life and wanted help from somebody who would be willing to talk to her about that. Later, when she graduated from the college several years ago, she graduated a very, very different person, She's not only emotionally stable, but though I've not gotten together personally with her for a while, I keep in contact with her, and she's very much involved in ministry and discipleship of other women and very involved and very, very stable in her faith in the Lord. Um, If you were to ask her today who were the people who had the greatest influence in her life, she would mention two or three staff people, but mostly she would mention students. And one particular student, a gal who was on her wing, who was just there for her constantly, the first two or three years that she was here and it's always wonderful for me to hear her talk about this gal and what a good friend she was and on the days that she seemed like she could do nothing but cry, um, how this girl was there for her. Another student that I remember was a guy who was here that through a a complicated situation, a long series of meetings, I ended up in a discussion with him in my office at one point Um, basically because he had treated one of our gals here on campus very badly and very sinfully, And I was there chatting with him and talking with him about that, along with a couple of other guys who were involved in his life, and talking to him about how he had treated this gal and asking him, I mean, is this how you are since you've been here at school? Has there, I mean, has there been any change in your life? Is there any difference since you say that you made a commitment to Christ? And, um, And at that point, he changed from trying to deny or to justify what he had done and began to really open up to us and to share with us things that had even more than we ever knew that had been a part of his past before he made a commitment to Christ and how through the year here at the college, he really had made some changes and was really making some movement. And it was wonderful to hear, and I remember asking him, you know, who's been involved in your life? How has it been that, uh, you know, the Lord obviously has, but but who here on our campus And he was a member of one of our athletic teams. And it was just the greatest joy to me to hear him list names and talk about guys that he played on the team with and the just major, major influence that they had had on his life, of being an example at times, of confronting him at times, of just talking about spiritual things with him at times. And it was very exciting to see that he was very much a person in process. But there really was change and growth, and it was very much the impact of his teammates who had brought that about.
1: Well, as we draw this chapel to a close, we just want to leave you with the impression that we're all part of this community. We're all at different levels of maturity. Some of us are struggling with some real sincere, uh, deep struggles. Some of us uh, who maybe are experiencing some growth and strength in our lives really have a responsibility to assist those who are around us. It's been our pleasure. I know the reason Betty and I get excited about driving to work each day is because we believe in the community of the Master's College. We believe in the community of the church. And it's all about the hopeful growth, uh, really uh, what Christ's desire is for us, that which He's promised uh, to complete one day, we can take a part in, in assisting one another in that growth process. And so, uh, we thank you for listening to us today. We just would invite you to hold hands with us uh, and one another with regard to reaching out to ministry, to calling one another to holiness, and also being open and vulnerable uh, to let us see who you really are. Uh So that people can reach in and to encourage in the true sense of the word. I invite you to go ahead and stand with me now at this time. And I'm just going to pray and commit us to the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, you've been so good to us. I think back in my own life, uh, just the tragedy I was when I came to college, the Christian college. And I thank you for those who reached down and loved me enough to call me what I was, to tell me what I needed to do. God, I pray as we look at just a, a real limited time here in this community, just four years for most of us, that we would all take advantage of that. Lord, that we would learn from one another. We would be faithful to model things for others. Lord, we would pray that as each of us have the opportunity to walk across that stage at graduation, that we would be able to look back and say, yes, I participate in the community of the Master's College of These Believers in an adequate and an encouraging and a faithful way. God, we thank you for those lives that have been restored. We thank you for the lives of these students who shared today. Pray that you bless them and bless us as we go forward this week to attempt to be as faithful as possible. We pray this
2: all in Christ's name. Amen. Here's Smith.